Coaches, what's going on? I really enjoyed this week. We got some NFL games on TV. We get a bunch of college games, obviously a bunch of high school games, which uh, I'm really enjoying with those being on different days, getting to watch uh, some of our listeners, some of our friends uh, play their football games in other places across the country. Uh, and, I, and I know some of you guys aren't getting to play some ball, so hopefully we can help you guys out with that and, and give you your little fix. Uh, and then I'm looking forward to getting to watch you guys, uh, your squads get out there and, and play here in the in the spring, uh, God willing. So uh, if you guys need anything from us, obviously we're both in season, but anything we can do to help you guys out, uh, just head on over to runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable uh, price for them right now. 40 caps for $2,000 uh, with 10 of them for free, plus 10 free. So you get 10 free ones as well. Check them out in our free show uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com slash football. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a -a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us if you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, This offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Peter Noonan. Coach Noonan is the defensive tackles coach at Hendrickson High School in Pflugerville, Texas, and also is good friends with my good buddy, Big Mech. Listen as we talk with Coach Noonan about strength training for football and developing your defensive lineman. You can follow Coach Noonan on Twitter at CoachNoon45. Hope you guys enjoy. For me, being a DC for the past two years, right, everything from my terminology standpoint has been what I had when I when I brought it with me from West Mesquite to down here and just trying to uh, mesh those things together. And now it's like, yeah, they're running a 425 and that's what we ran, but you know, they call stuff differently. So it's it's just hey, learning that whole whole deal <laughs> in my head. Don't get me started with that. I'm in the process right now, and and I'm sure you can do it a lot easier uh, than I can because you at least understand it. But just trying to learn coverages right now is is all I'm doing because I've been wanting to do that for three years probably now. But, you know, you've got offensive line stuff you got to learn. There's run game stuff that's more interesting, and and then you've got practice. So it's like I don't have time to go learn something that might help me but is not going to help my position right now. Uh, And so these past month or so, I've had time to learn some passing game and defensive coverages and 
and coverages are just killer to me because uh, Alabama calls it one thing and TCU calls it another thing and and the Venables tree calls it something completely different but it all means the same thing and then it's just like uh, you know all the same they're talking about the same thing but they're calling every little part of it different and so when you don't know any of it it, it it's easy to get really, really lost oh yeah and for me like when I when I got when I first started coaching, I was coaching linebackers, and so that was back in '09. Things were we ran a, a relatively simple, you know, cover four, and you know the, the the I guess we ran a two read concept. I don't know. My guys were pretty much you know hooked curl droppers, and that's that's good. We stay. We did the old uh, the hitch thing. You just stay right in your little area. You don't venture out any <laughs> further. You know, the one time you got to carry a back up the middle or anything like that. So, and then when I switched over to D line, I, I, I guess it's probably the same thing that happens to a lot of young coaches. You, you shut your brain off from learning extra because you're still just trying to learn your stuff. Right. And now I'm, I kicked myself because it's like you said, like as a DC trying to put the back end to the front end and learn it all. And it's like, who do you, who's, who do you want to attack to you want to attack to? Saban to to TCU to Venables to Don Brown like it's it'll make your head spin <laughs> it will um it will but normally kind of how we start everything is uh let you you know introduce yourself and, and kind of give everyone uh your football background football journey obviously um I, I have kind of got in touch with you uh we we both know uh Emeka uh down there in, in Texas I get to play with him at Houston you have you coached with him um we had his podcast up but I guess we didn't and then uh he told me about it we both thought we had it up me and Emeka both and then I go back and then I'm like well I guess we didn't put it out so then I find his recording and then I'm going to put it out but then the recording doesn't even work and so uh, we kind of screwed over Big Mac uh we're going to get him back on <laughs> yeah. though again uh, <laughs> sometime soon but that's kind of how we got in touch but uh you know kind of for everybody else give everyone kind of your football uh, journey, if you will, from playing to coaching and, and how that brought you to where you are now? Um, yeah, so for me, my last playing day was senior year of, of high school. Uh, we lost in the uh, first round. Um, that was the last time I played on a football field. Um, and, you know, growing up in Houston uh, in, you know, the late 90s and early 2000s, one of the premier teams on, on TV, on ABC that the great Keith Jackson got to call was Florida state and uh, having an aunt that lived in Fort Lauderdale that would send you uh, Florida state stuff. You, you, uh, as, as I was talking to Kevin Swift earlier, he, he said, you know, yeah, we talk about recruiting, but uh, you know, I wasn't recruited to go to Florida state, but when you see it on TV and you see it in the papers, uh, it's a subliminal thing. So for me, mm -hmm. subliminally, I was, supposed to become a Florida State Seminole and you know of course I wanted to play but when you're five five seven five eight and you can't run out of sight in a day you find an alternative <laughs> you find an alternative um and you know fortunately I was I was able to um to go and, and pursue that dream and and I had four great years at Florida State uh, I spent two years working in the SID office and those were really awesome to uh to not only be a part of that and, and see the behind the scenes of a game day operation, not just with football, but with basketball and, and baseball and the regional tournament that, that we hosted one year when I was there in baseball was, was really cool. Um, and so after graduation, uh, moved back to Houston and was like, I have no idea what I want to do. Went back to my old high school, Bel Air high school and, uh, one of the guys that coached me um, was still on staff, John Henry Mills, and he put in a word with the head football coach at the time. And uh, Trey Herman said, hey, man, you want to be a substitute teacher and, and our video guy? And I was like, sure, whatever that, whatever that means. Of course, that was back before, you know, Huddle was what it is today. Huddle was oh, like yeah. – Huddle was, the, was the, the, the crap stuff, man. Nobody – Nobody wanted that. Everybody wanted DSV, and that was, everyone thought they were going to get hacked, right? Everyone thought, yeah. there's no way this is going to work, and everyone's going to have our film. Yeah. So you know, DSV with the 
two different plat, you know, the two different databases and trying to merge stuff and then, you know, doing the, the sunny in the, in the toll booth deals. <laughs> You're like, is this the right place? Is that the right car? Is that the right guy that I'm supposed to exchange this stuff with? And I remember all that stuff. And then just, um, made my way up to the DFW, uh, spent six years at, a at up there with a couple different school, three different schools. Um, got the opportunity to coach uh, with Emeka Okafor at West Mesquite. Had some really great, great games there. Um, and then I, I got the call to follow my my friend Ivory Dillard down to uh, Santa Catrudis Academy High School in Kingsville, Texas, and uh, was the DC down there for two years. And uh, now I'm in the process of transitioning to Hendrickson High School in Pflugerville. To go be the defensive tackles coach, and uh, really excited about this opportunity to, uh, to just get back to being a position coach and, and try to be the absolute best position coach I can be, uh, and, and help Hendrickson uh, be successful. So, so you kind of mentioned, you know, already a little bit that you were when you were the DC that you kind of went that four-two-five route. Um, curious, you know, with you kind of jumping into being that defensive coordinator, what made you kind of go that route? Uh, what were some of the things that that you saw, because really that's what I've been, um, that's what I've been studying this off season is four two five because it's a little bit easier maybe for me to be able to, you know, see coverages. And, and I think probably just a lot of even front teams, you know, have that four two five, I guess, look now uh, rather than the four three. Right. So um, the first year I was the DC, I, I went down there in 2018 that March and um we actually ran a four three and the last time that I was involved in an even front anything was my playing days. And I was a, I was a <laughs> typically a, a, you know, the three tech or the, or the no shade uh, in our defense. And, you know, my job was to just literally get in there and, and uh, burrow and cause disruption on the line. Um, but uh, so, so for me learning, you know, trying to learn the four three, I'm, I'm scooping up everybody's stuff. I'm buying the the coach's choice DVDs and, and I'm wearing them out, um, trying to learn them. And then uh, we had, we had some really good kids as far as the defensive line. And we had, we had good kids that we could use as, as linebackers. We had one kid that was more of the traditional, you know, Mike, Mike linebacker plugger. Uh, but he, he was a pretty decent athlete and he dropped into coverage. Um, and then those guys all graduated except for that Mike. And, uh, we were going to return, um, several defensive linemen. And so we still wanted to keep the, the even front, but I went into this past season looking at our personnel and going, okay, well, I really think we have more from a secondary standpoint, you know, in those coverage type kids. So the nickel and, and, you know, kind of existing in that world. And that's where um, kind of learning that four, two, five, and then uh, just studying that, that's where that kind of evolved to. And, and, you know, we, we took some lumps, but uh, I think by the end of the season, I, I say we were, we were, we were pretty decent um, defensively. Uh, we just, you know, we were thin in number and, uh, and, and thin in, in body weight. We played a lot of, uh, freshmen and sophomores that had to carry the load uh, with a, a small senior class and a small junior class. Coach, you talk about the, the four, two, five, then, um, you know, I was curious to ask guys, where do you kind of have to put your, your best players? You know, some guys will say, well, you know, you need to have a nose tackle if you're playing an odd front or, you know, we play a four, three, we have to have a killer at Mike, you know, four, two, five to me is maybe a little bit different. You know, do you have that, that really good six technique. Do you, you play your guys inside? I'm, I'm always kind of curious to ask four, two, five guys, where do you put your, your best athletes? Where do you want to try to funnel the ball? Right. Um, for us, because we had relatively decent team speed, you know, it, in relation to everybody else that we played, um, our, our best, our best athlete, um, was kind of our 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 outside overhang our you could call him our nickel um so you know we we did some things try to flip him uh field and boundary 
and, and try to win that matchup. Um, my two best defensive linemen were both really my interior guys. Um, and we had a really good end. He played half the season, part of the season. He, he broke his, uh, broke his wrist early on, was able to come back. He did have the club for a little bit. Um, so, you know, it was just kind of a, some weeks it was a, it was really just a matter of personnel and who did we actually have available, um, in terms of how we aligned and, and, and played some guys. I, I mean, I, if you look at our film, there was times that we had a guy that's really a three technique playing a, playing a five or, or playing, you know, a, a head up uh, six technique just because he could win that matchup. And at least we could cancel one or two guys with him um, or he would at least command a double team and free up a linebacker. Um, you know, we played with a, our quarterback was our, was our free safety. And the best thing that he did was just roam and, and come downhill and, and hit you. Um, I mean, that, that was the deal. And so for us, you know, for him playing quarterback, as well as playing safety, we try to make his job as easy as possible and just say, look, you know, if we're playing, if we're playing our, our role cover three, you're always going to be the high, high guy, or you're always going to roll strong. And, you know, your responsibility is uh, X to Y to Z and, and that's it. Um, our overhang nickel guy was, was a pretty savvy uh, kid. He was a sophomore and, you know, he was first in the meeting room, last to leave, always studying film. So for him, you know, we could play him in a variety of spots. He's definitely undersized. Um, but uh, he was, he's about six, two and long armed. So there was times that he was, he was the outside nine on a tight end and he'd come set the edge and he could also drop into coverage. So, you know, that what I would say was our best guy. Um, but you know, it was just a matter of, it was definitely a matter of who's available personnel wise when you got about uh, 25 to play with on varsity. And there was, I think a couple of games where we had maybe 18. I think that's always, I think that's always interesting. I mean, you, you talk about, you know, having to play your nickel and, and I've, you know, I've been in with a, a couple of different defensive coordinators and, you know, you, you play your, your best dude at nickel and you always kind of worry, well, man, you know, if they, they run the ball right at us, it just seemed like there's always so many cool ways that you could kind of get that guy involved, whether it was coverage to, you know, delete somebody on the edge. You know, if they're a big screen team, you could delete them or, you know, finding ways to get him, you know, maybe now as, as the seventh hat in the fit. So I was always kind of surprised. I'm like, man, I feel like I could I could get him away from the box. But a lot of those four two fives were you know, D coordinators were really, really, you know, creative at, at creating spots and, and places for that nickel to make a lot of plays. Yeah. I mean, for us, the majority of the teams that we played um, are not chunking the rock down the field. Like we're, we're not worried about four verticals. Um, not that they couldn't do it. It just wasn't in their MO. Um, most of the teams that we played uh, through the ball, maybe a total of, 20% of their offense, if that, it was usually less. And their route concepts wow. were relatively um, – they're relatively simple. Um, so for us, you know, making sure that we could cover three verts, cover the flood concept, and, and defend the mesh. Um, you know, out, outside of uh, George West, um, who, who could really run and throw, um, they, you know, everybody was, was pretty much – spread to run with a couple of, you know, your, your wing T type teams, uh, or the, or the, you know, the, the hybrid guns, uh, gun triple option type stuff, um, which is kind of what offensively that we ran. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't dive too much into our offense, um, as I had my hands full trying to plug holes in our defense. That's exactly right. Well, well, coach, you know, you had also said uh, you hadn't been at even front, you know, since your, your playing days um, and, and being with the D line, you know, at several times through your career, what, is there a big difference in, in coaching an interior defensive lineman uh, again with, you know, in the even front uh, as compared to if you guys are going to be odd front most of the time, uh, what I'm sure there is, what is, what are some of the big differences uh, that, that you've got to think of? Um, you know, for me, I think the deal is, what are you trying to do from an odd standpoint 
you know, with your nose guard, is he a, is he a two gapping nose guard? When we were at West Mesquite, uh, we had a two gapper. Um, heck, he, sometimes he was a three gapper. And that was partially because he was tired and got reached by the backside guard. But, uh, <laughs> but it, you know, uh, we called him chop chop was a, was a, was a two gapper, man. So he, his job was hold him up and, and, and go, you know, but to me, it, it, there are certain things and it's all how you teach from a conceptual standpoint. Um, you know, X is on the board type of thing. If you're, if you're a head up, right. Whether it's a nose, you know, head up, head up nose or a head up two or a head up four, you have responsibilities from a gap standpoint, knowing that you're probably going to get either a, a true double or a zone double. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a two I, you know, inside shade, um, or, you know, or a four eye type inside shade, you know, you, you're expecting that double team, but if you're an outside shade, like a five technique or a three technique, you know, you're either going to be red or you're going to be, you know, blocked down on most often. So, you know, there's, there's certain things that I think carry over. Um, but ultimately the answer to that, it would be odd and even, what are you trying to do out of your, you know, your, your nose or your, you know, no shade one technique in the even front. Um, what do you want him to do? I got you. That makes sense. Well, well, so my, my other question kind of with this um, a little bit off of that, but uh, is, so when you are working with your defensive lineman, how, how much do you like to work with your offensive line uh, against like your, your offensive line uh, compared to just like, defensive guys over there pretending they're offensive linemen how much do you like to do that how much do you guys do that at the schools you've been at um, maybe even when does that start tapering off if it starts tapering off I think that's that's always my big question concern I don't know what the right word is is I love working with the d-line but also I don't want to be that's the only time we're going to get real good speed but I also don't want to be banging into if we get some big really good defensive linemen I don't want to be taking any more shots on ourselves and we're then we have to towards the end of the year what has been your kind of thought process through that what have you guys done uh, in the past so I'll, I'll kind of work uh, present to past on that question at sg you know our, our guys played both ways it didn't matter what what we uh who we had like i said i think that sometimes you know we had 18 guys available for varsity so to try and get good on good looks, you were pretty much having to go half line, which is great. Mm -hmm. And I love it. Um, and I think there's a lot of benefits to half line drills, uh, whether it's from the option standpoint, um, you know, teaching from a passing game standpoint, you know, cause at the end of the day, what are you trying to do? You're trying to make jobs as simple as possible. So when we get into that small group uh, and, and working in that triangle of, uh, two offensive linemen, uh, a defensive lineman, and a linebacker thing. You need that half line drill, um, you know. So that's what we had. That's really what we had available to us at SG, at West Mesquite. Um, shoot, you could ask Mecca. It was probably every day except for thir uh, Thursday for uh, JV. You know, sub varsity games. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we were doing some kind of whether it was a one on one pass rush or um, it was pods, you know, the, the, the two on one stuff. Um, we, we were getting after it every day. And even if it was just 10 minutes, um, it, it just, it really helped us, um, get better on both sides of the ball. Um, because ultimately, you know, I, I worked the individual stuff from the D line standpoint, right. One on ones and, and, and our, you know, five on three reads and our, our two on one drills, but kids at the high school level don't always give you the best look that you want, even in an individual drill against their own teammates. Um, and that's not to say that we are guaranteed better looks when we go good on good, but at least, you know, when, you, when that kid's practicing from an offensive line standpoint um, and that's his main position and you're talking to him about, how to get better and you know how to get that scholarship you got to take those drills more seriously um especially if you're going against a quality kid that we like the ones that we had at west mesquite um 
you know, so, so working every day with those, with the offensive line was, was critical in development. I think for us, uh, we did some of that at uh, community and Crandall. Uh, but again, we were a little bit more limited from a number standpoint. Um, and then, uh, at Bel Air, we were 5A. I, I, to be honest, I don't know. I don't remember as much how much we did. Um, but I was, I was more working more with the linebackers. Um, but I do remember from time to time, we'd at least maybe once a week go into some kind of pod deal, uh, you know, triangle read type stuff. I got you. That's, that's kind of our, that's kind of our big two has been our pods uh, and our one-on-one pass pro. Uh, and then this year I want to get into doing like you had just talked about doing some half line. I mean, we've got enough to, to two platoon it, but I just think you get so many more reps and the defense gets more reps and you're just able to get the strong side of things on both directions in, in uh, such a shorter amount of time uh, whenever we, we can split it up and go half line. And if you've got two true two platoon, you can put the whole offense out there, but then just say it's center overs doing this and the other side's doing that. Um, so yeah. um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I enjoy that. I think that that's, um, I don't know. I think it's a, a, a benefit for sure being able to do that. So, so how do you guys at your ultimate or, or how you would like to do it? How, how did you like setting up your one-on-one pass pro? Was it just kind of, you know, how everyone does it five across one guy goes and the next guy goes, I've seen so many kind of different variations off of one-on-one pass pro in, and I know a lot of O-line coaches complain about it because <laughs> an offensive lineman do because it's set up for defense alignment. But, uh, you know, Coach Walls has said it a thousand times. Yeah, but uh, so is third and third and ten. That's set up for defense alignment to pass rush as well. And yeah. you better be able to protect during that time. Uh, and, yeah. And I think you can use it as a technique standpoint, too. It doesn't always have to be a let's make sure we win on this. Let's, it's time to go full speed and work technique. So how, how if you could – if you could draw it up, I'm sure you've done it a ton of different ways. What's been your favorite way to, to work one-on-one pass pro? Um, you know, to be honest, I think the majority of time it's been that. It's been the five across both sides and, you know, whoever the coach is in the back, um, he's just pointing to the defensive lineman. The offensive line doesn't know who's live, you know, up, up, up to – when four out of the five guys have gone, now that last guy knows, okay, I'm probably live because I haven't had my rep yet. Even if I'm, you know, one or two and then I'm subbing in other guys, um, you, you eventually figure it out and you quote unquote prepare, um, you know, I, but it's like, like coach Wallace said, you know, you, you have to be able to defend on third and 10, the same way the defensive line has to be able to handle the run first and 10 and, and, uh, you know, second and six and third and four. I mean, you, you, you got to know what's coming. And even if you do know what's coming, you got to be able to stop it. And I think, you know, like you're saying, being able to practice and create, right. Ultimately our goal in practice is to create as many game like situ- situations and scenarios as we can. So when you just go one-on-one and mono um, I, I think it's, 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 you know, that's the way to go. I think, and I will I'll probably get up, ruffle some feathers when I say this, but I think one-on-one offense-defense alignment tends to be more productive than one-on-one DB wide receiver stuff. That's just be, just because you, that quarterback has you know however many seconds you want to give him to to throw a ball with no pass rush, and we all know that that clock as soon as the ball is snapped is ticking and and depending on who you have lined up across from you can dictate how much how long you have to pass rush uh as well as how long how you know what part of the game and the you know score and all that and who's tired and who's not yeah i couldn't agree more I, one on one on ones with the skilled dudes is torture for me <laughs> I'm like, again i i'm not one of these double move you know three deals i'm i'm like i'll call two routes you know make make them play man and can they take away a slant and can they take away you know routes and versus the qb to kind of have to play ball you know than anything um yeah. coach i'm 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 super curious cuz i i've done the same thing you know going through what you're going through right now you know, going from being a, a coordinator back to being a, a position coach, you know, I guess I'm, I'm just kind of interested, you know, and in maybe kind of hearing, you know, your reflections on, you know, what, what's the move been like, it, you know, has it been 
smooth? Is it easy for you? You know, what, maybe what some of the challenges are. And then at the same time, you know, maybe what some of the relief reliefs are. I know it, it, for me, it's, it took a lot of the weight off my shoulders too, not having to worry about, you know, all the other positions and just kind of diving into and becoming an expert at what I coach again. Um, man, that's a really good question. And I've, I've, since the end of the season, um, you know, unfortunately we didn't, we, we, we had an over season. It was, it was really tough, but, uh, I'll credit the kids. They never once quit. Um, and I greatly appreciate them for giving us every single thing that they had every single day in practice. Uh, even when they, you know, justifiably probably could have decided to lay it down. Uh, they never did. Um, and I, you know, they know I coached their, their tails hard, uh, but I loved them even more. Um, so I'll say from a relief standpoint, the stress of the game plan for everything and planning practice and not just coaching the kids, but coaching the coaches and making sure everybody's on the same page with the adjustments and the responsibility that that falls to as the coordinator, you know, taking that stress away, um, you know, is figuratively speaking going to put hair back on my head. I, I'm bald is beautiful. And I, <laughs> I decided to, to shave it all off a while ago before I became a coordinator, but uh, had I not, I definitely would have lost some hair and sleep as the coordinator anyway. But uh, you know, I, on the other side of it, um, you know, we're competitive guys when we get into this profession, yes, to impact uh, young men and, and, and sometimes young women as well. But uh, you know, we're, we're competitive. We want to win. And, and, you know, part of me, would love one more season to uh to try and improve on you know what we had built for the past two seasons and just thinking how much this crazy quarantine time um has created it from an opportunity standpoint to grow and learn and uh you know I, I joked with uh, coach Adam Harvey the other day I said if I would know what I know now two seasons ago I I you know I, I probably would be feeling much better about my time as a DC and, and thinking that we would have probably played a little bit better and a little more sound from the secondary standpoint. I think I took some gambles uh, that were probably unsound. Um, but, you know, like I said, I would rather get beat by the pass than beat by the run um, and, and just take our chances. Um, you know, we, we were, we were one, <laughs> Three, we were three blind touchdown throws away from two shutouts my first year. Um, and and I, 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 with all due respect to our opponents, uh, literally it was close the eyes and throw the ball up and our, our secondary guys fell asleep. And had I, you know, had they not, and maybe had I called something a little bit better, uh, I, I'd be sitting here saying I got two shutouts. But ultimately, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, and I take my learnings and, and we move on. And, and I'll, I'll say what excites me the most about going to Hendrickson is just the fact of going back to my love for defensive line and, and just coaching those guys. And, um, you know, the fact that I get to really work with the interior guys um, and, and, and try to instill in them that blue collar mentality of, of yeoman's work and, and being unselfish. Uh, you know, because that's just kind of how I, I believe myself to be as a coach is I'm going to do whatever's necessary for the betterment of the group, uh, even if it means a little bit extra work for me. Uh, that's kind of what I hope to impart on these kids, um, especially the defensive tackles. So, that's Coach, obviously – go ahead, Walls. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, that's what I love about it too, you know, the, the just the focus to be able to have on, you know, the smaller group of dudes – you know, getting to know them obviously better. And then I, I just feel like I, I can get so much better as a coach because I can kind of just put the, you know, put the blinders on a little bit, not have to worry about the three levels of defense, matching them all together. Just really put the blinders in on, on technique and, and making my room as strong as it possibly can and, and being one of, you know, the, the positive on whatever, you know, the, the offense, whatever it might be. I, I really like that because then it also freed me up once I knew I was kind of, you know, the master of the position on what I was doing, then maybe I'd venture out and do things. But I really liked going, being a position. I know that, man. It's been fun. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I know that 
I won't make the mistake like I did early in my career and, and close myself off from continuing to learn the other parts um, and how everything fits together. Um, you know, early on, my deal was I'm going to focus on my position and I got to know exactly what my position needs to do. And that's all I'm going to do. Um, you know, but for me, still trying to, to grow from a standpoint of learning more from the offensive line standpoint and, and really more so understanding the mindset of why things are done. You know, I've asked several coordinators, um, you know, why do you call plays? Are you calling because you want to see what the defense does? Are you calling to set something up down the line? Like, I feel like if I can understand that more, then I can impart that wisdom to my guys and say, okay, because you've seen ABC, you're about to get XYZ. Uh, you know, lo- love it, coach. So, so kind of my, my big question was, you know, and you've been at some places that um, obviously you use guys on offense and defense, and then you've been at some places where you're going to have a D lineman only, offensive lineman only, and now you're coming to a new school and, and maybe you don't know all the kids real well, so you don't have your, your choice necessarily yet. But uh, when you guys are going through and you're looking and deciding, um, you know, which kids go into D line, which kids go into O line, you know, you got these freshmen coming up, and and um, you know, if 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 your offensive line coach is anything like me, he's trying to to steal any athlete that he can from the defensive line, and and if the defensive line coach or any any of them like the ones are broken arrow, they want every big skilled athlete on the defensive line, and and so how do you guys as a staff, or or how do you guys as as line coaches go through, and and what are you looking for? How do you guys decide who's going to be an offensive lineman, who's going to be a, a defensive lineman? So um, some of that has kind of already been established um, at, at Henderson. We've had some, some meetings uh, on the defensive side and talked about, you know, who got, which guys are where. Um, and, and that's cool with me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to take, take anybody and everybody that they give me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push them to, to work the best that they can um, and, and, you know, squeeze every bit of juice out of them I can. Um, you know, if it's my choice, um, yeah, I want, I want the, the measurables, no doubt. Um, but ultimately, man, give me, give me the dogs, give me the guys with the high motors that might be a little undersized, but as long as they're coachable and they can bend, right. They can get, they can get into a squat. They can, they have some bend in the ankle, um, and they're hit some hip mobility. Uh, I can work with that. You know, if they're a little timid, um, you know, we can work to get, to get more aggressive. Uh, but if there's a high motor, man, that's the one, you know, you just can't coach, you can't coach the motor and, and I'll take, you know, and we had it at, at West Mesquita as, as, you know, highly touted as there's been so many recruits. I've I had just as many, um, just high motor guys, uh, that, uh, that just, you know, they're, they're definitely undersized. But, you know, they're there every day. They put in the work. And, and those are, those, you know, that's those, those kids that where you see yourself in them because you know you were undersized, underdog. I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to be drawn to those kids. So I'm going to, I'm going to want to work with them uh, because those are also potentially your more cerebral kids. So you can explain to them the standpoint of when your opponent is slightly set back or leaning one way or when he is, you know, kick-stepping back and he does this or that, um, you know, or his hand is in the dirt this way, you give him those cues and those clues and you help him gain that uh, competitive advantage um, while still, you know, being one within the rules and two within what that kid can physically do. Coach, when you sit down, you know, kind of your first meetings that you've been having with your kids, what are some of kind of your – you know, non-negotiables for defensive line play. Like, hey, here's the things, guys, that we're going to be known for. Here's how we play the game. And, and here's going to be that kind of standard that I, I'm going to set and, and hold you guys to. Um, so I, I created uh, – we're you know, I'm an acronym kind of guy or try to be to make things simple. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I might have two degrees, but I will never profess to be the smartest man in the room. So I'm going to make stuff as simple as possible for myself and for my kids. So for us, it was, uh, we're, we're going to be spillers. Um, you know, obviously from a technique standpoint, a lot of your inside guys are spill technique guys anyways, but 
Uh, we're going to be smart. Uh, we're going to, we're going to study our opponents. Um, we're going to know, you know, tendencies and things of that nature. Uh, we're going to be physical. Uh, we may not be the fastest or the strongest, but we're going to be some of the toughest and the meanest. Um, we're going to be, you know, intelligent about things or we're going to be, uh, we're going to honor the game from an integrity standpoint. We're going to be lightning fast off the ball. Um, you know, obviously within reason of, of the, the physical ability of a kid, but you know, one of the best, you know, people talk about how do you defeat a double team? Get off the ball, man. You want to defeat a double team, get off the ball and get a shoulder turned. You're not going to get a double team. Um, uh, most often, uh, unless that guy just is that much better than you, but you know, being lightning fast off the ball. Uh, and then the other deal is just that lunch pail attitude, uh, work, work, work. Um, so for us, you know, just having that, that, that mentality, uh, you know, that spill mentality that, you know, if we're going to eat, you know, we got to have effort alignment. Uh, we got to be technicians and we got to be, uh, you know, tenacious in our, in our pursuit to the football and, and our pursuit in practice. Um, one of the things that I took from uh, coach Ricky Kuhn was every time you put your hand in the dirt, it's got to mean something, whether it's practice or a snap. Uh, so that, that's, we're going to treat every rep, uh, like it's, it's potentially our last and, and you have no greater of a, uh, of a carrot than just, just what everybody's going through right now in this quarantine time. You literally can say, you think, right. That this can't be taken away from you, but here it is right here. You're living through it. Um, the majority of the world is probably healthy, right. But we're doing things for the betterment of everybody else by staying home. Uh, and, and you got to shut stuff down. So you have no idea uh, how many snaps we're going to have or how many games or practices we're going to have in the fall. Hopefully we get some, but you better make it sure every, every one is going to count. Coach, uh, I'm kind of curious, you know, you, you talk about, you know, getting in and, and getting your film sessions and watching film and, and watching even of opponents. What are, what are some things that you guys are looking for, um, your, your kids are looking for, when they're watching film uh, of an opponent, um, obviously, you know, I, I'm just kind of curious, how much can a defensive line see? I'm sure secondary goes through and, and looks at the different formations and the, the different passing routes out of these certain formations and what runs we're going to see the most out of this. Is that something is even with the runs, I know the pass probably isn't, but with the runs, is that something that your defensive line gets into or uh, are you looking at technique and, and tips off of offensive linemen. What are you guys looking at when you're looking at an opponent with your, your defensive linemen? So this is kind of like a, a twofold uh, answer. It's things that I've gleaned as a defensive coordinator and, and what I've kind of come, come to understand from a tendency standpoint, but then also just in, in the time that I've spent in, in a lot of these zoom clinics and, and learning from other coaches, um, particularly, like I said, Coach Kuhn, as well as uh, Coach Sadiq Haynes uh, at, at Sam Houston State, it is, right, obviously one of the biggest deals is who's pulling every play if there's a puller, right? One of the things that I know from an offensive line standpoint, you, you never want to tip your hand, uh, but it, it's, it's, it happens, right? High school kids are high school kids. Uh, they're going to, they're, you know, they may never get to pull. The one time they get to pull, they're looking dead set at the guys. They're going to go kick out or whatever, right? So there's one of your first things. Um, the other deal is uh, from a field and boundary standpoint, um, you know, and from a, you know, the, the, the quick tackle and the strong tackle type stuff, are they flipping? Uh, those are your big indicators. Uh, and then from there, it's just, one, it depends on the quality of the film that you're getting, right? If, if you got good quality film, you can pick up more stuff. If you got bad quality film and bad student filmers that are that are filming every everything but what they need to film, then it's going to be a little bit more difficult, you know. But we're going to look at: Are they light on their hand? Are they heavy on their hand? What you know? What foot is back when when certain plays are being run? Um, you know, who's your main? Who's who's the main guy they're trying to run behind? Um, and, you know, we all try to be balanced both from an offensive and a defensive standpoint and, and that sort of thing. But, but everybody's got favorites and they have tendencies. Um, you know, to me, 55, 45, is, that's balanced. Uh, when you start encroaching over 60, 
you know, 65% on, on something. Now we're talking about a more uh, favorable tendency. And those are the things that we want to gain um, from a past protection standpoint. You know, are we slide? Are we full slide? Who's the weakest guy? You know, how do they handle certain rushes? Um, you know, can they handle the speed rush? Can they handle the bull rush? Um, where, what does the quarterback do? Is he, is he a scrambler? Is he trying to stay in the pocket? Um, you know, if the pocket collapses, does he always go left or right or does he try to step up? Um, you know, just little things like that. What's the back do? Um, you know, is he always checking across? Is he checking it inside out? Uh, is he always check, check, release, or is he always released? Um, you know, as well as from the flip side of, of it still comes back to knowing your personnel. So I'm not going to give my guys unnecessary information if they can't handle it. Um, I may look at it and I may keep it in my back pocket, but if it's not relative, relevant to the, to the kid, you know, if that kid can't slant and he can't long stick, then there's, you know, that, that, that's just an unnecessary piece of information for him. Uh, and I'm not going to bog down the meeting time trying to draw up something that we know is not going to work because we physically can't do it. But, uh, you know, th those are the things that I'm looking for uh, that eventually I'd like to relay to my guys. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, my goal is to, to give it to them little bits at, at a time. I'm not going to try and overload them and say, okay, when he does X, Y, Z, you're going to do one, two, three. And, you know, we'll, we'll, at the end of the day, if we can line up in base and win in base, and you know play over and under fronts then that's what we're going to do and we'll live in that in that world and we'll be just fine so coach here's my kind of conspiracy theory with defensive linemen and and let me know how how far off i am but so the the biggest and this is why i hate defensive linemen is because you can you can crush them all game and they win you know they beat you twice and they've got two sacks on the game and they had an unbelievable game even though they only had two two good plays in that game and so my theory is, um, you know, like in college, I think the most sacks in a season is like 24. And so if you're playing 12 games, that's just two sacks in a game. So if I'm thinking I'm a pass rusher and, and, and if a team is at least 50% pass, then that means they're probably going to throw it 30 times. So am I going to be – I mean, should I be setting up my offensive lineman for my second move you know, 14 snaps in a row and on the 15th, hit them with my counter, that gets me a sack and then do the same thing the next 14 plays? Or am I trying to hit my best pass rush move every time? Um, because if I wanted to go, they said if I'm in college and I want to go, you know, break the pass rush record, I only have to get two sacks. I can set up my entire game around getting just two sacks. How does, how does that work when, when, you're, when you're going and, and you get into pass rush? Um. I think part of that answer is, can your guys even rush the passer? Um, you know, I, <laughs> that's, that's number one. Yeah. I, I, we had a, we had a kid at West who uh, he went, he's at Louisiana tech right now and he could get after the, he could get after him. Um, you know, the kid could dunk a basketball and, and he, he was a hefty, you know, 250, 260, but he could get after it strong as an ox. So for him, you know, it was a matter of, you know, what does your opponent do? And, um, you know, can you, can, you know, can you set him up on the first few uh, pastimes, you know, to execute, you know, an inside out move or an outside in move. Uh, and those are the things that we worked on in practice. Um, and, and that's where I think the time that you spend with your offensive line, it's not just, spending that time and repping it and then correcting it's having the other side coach your kids too. Um, and, and that's where I think having a guy like Emeka was really, really beneficial, right? They're exactly what you're talking about. He's at Texas and he's at Houston and they're throwing the rock. So he's going to understand how to talk about pass protection and how to tell a defense alignment this is, you know, this is what you need to do. This is what you not need to do. And, and you're right. You know, you could have a terrible game um, and, and have two sacks and call it a great, great day. But I'll tell you in the film room the next day, what I'm going to tell them is if you did not have a sack on plays 
uh, on pass plays one through 28 and on 29 and 30, you had those two sacks. Great. But at some point, did you affect the quarterback? Did you get him off the launch point? Did you get your hands up or were you just coasting, waiting, you know, because here's the deal. Ultimately, you're not going to get a sack every game, right? And there's a reason why records are uh, what they are and some have stood for so long and some get broken so easily um, is, is because you just, there's certain things that are not going to happen every, every snap. And, uh, you know, you're not going to get a sack every play, but can you affect the outcome uh, every play in some form or fashion? So, so we're going to look at it from the standpoint of, are you one, are you consuming two blocks, freeing up somebody else? And if you're being freed up, are you executing yours? Or are you just taking this play off uh, Two, you know, are you getting the quarterback to move uh, three? You know, if they're throwing a screen, are you freaking retracing, man? Cause we got, we got burned two times this past year on screens and nobody retraced. And it, it's, I'm out, I'm still searching for, the best drill to teach retracing, right? We talk about if they throw and let you buy, um, you know, I swear the defensive linemen think that they've won, they've won, <laughs> right? When they get thrown by and I'm like, are you kidding me? And that goes back to what I said for, are you a pass rusher? If you know you are not a pass rusher and they let you go, stop. It's a trap, man. It's, it's the Admiral Agbar trap. You are not good at us pass rushing, but they have it in their brain that they got – they beat the guy. He, I beat him, right? I'm going to go get the quarterback. And the quarterback's running miles backwards, right? And there goes the running back right by him. But, you know, so I, I think there's – certain things kind of play into it. Um, I think it's just one of those things where uh, it's a week-to-week basis um, and, and, and your kids and, and how good are they and how do you coach up but the other deal is, I think from a pass rush standpoint, um, what, where, what does your team do defensively to, to create mismatches, right? Are we, are we a, a heavy uh, long stick twist team? Or are we a heavy blitz team? You know, are we always only bringing five? Or are we always mixing up with four, five, six? Do we bring seventh guy? Like, so I, I think there's, there's layers to the pass rush, you know, conundrum for offensive line guys but the other deal is is how well do you does the offensive line pick up the pass rush you know and how much do you work on that in practice coach I I gotta ask again you know when you talk you you've already kind of touched on it but you know when you're coaching defense and you're either the coordinator or or you're the d-line coach you know where, where do you turn the faucet off on stunts you know, I've, I've always kind of find that fascinating because, you know, every time you put in a new stunt, that changes, you know, gap responsibility, obviously, for either a, a, an overhang safety or a, an inside linebacker. You know, where do you kind of draw the line with how many stunts is too many and or how many can you really handle? Um, not, you know, not to be the broken record, but but it's it's a, it's about what your kids can, can handle. I think, um, you know, as a, as a defensive coordinator, these past two seasons, I look at year one to year two, we kept terminology pretty much the same, even though we were moving from a 4-3 to a 4-2-5. Very, very few things changed from a, from a terminology standpoint so that we didn't lose um, kids in, in terms of having to feel like they're learning something over again. Um, I think part of that is as a defensive guy, what do you like? Um, you know, if, if you're, if you just love the stunts, then I think some guys can spend all day drawing up stuff for me. Um, I like, I like the outside twists. The few times that we tried to run the, we called it nut and ton. Um, they were almost always an epic fail. And I, it's like, I, it's like, <laughs> the, it's like the word vomit. It comes out of your mouth and you're like, why'd I call that? come back, please, you know, but then you call it and, um, and it works sometimes. Um, I, I, you know, for me, the outside twist and bringing a, bringing a five and six man pressure was, was what was good for us. And that's what we stuck to. Um, part of it was because, you know, for us to man up across the board, um, 
sometimes it was good because speed was speed was equitable equitable to both sides uh but other times you know we were going to get roasted um so it was just a matter of okay well let's let's just you know let's let's do the old uh you know nca blitz long stick and one off the edge and see what happens um you know one time that was good to us that was a sack fumble and a scoop and score uh for a defensive touchdown in a game that we lost but it was you know it was a simple stunt and blitz and and that's you know that that kind of what what got us good you know well coach you know kind of rolling up now on an hour and and before I let you go though the the thing I always like to ask everybody is um when you're when you're watching a, another team's offensive line and and you've been with some really good offensive line coaches I'm uh, you know, with I get to play with Emeka, and I'm sure he does an unbelievable job with those guys. And and you've seen some great offensive lines, I'm sure, in Texas. Um, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Uh, I, I would say their their get off from the ball. Um, you know, if they're if they if they come off the ball and they're and they're physical, you know that they're they're coached up. Um, because even if they're not the greatest uh, from the standpoint of, of their, uh, their pass protection, they're, 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 they're hanging their hat on running the ball and creating pathways. Uh, I think another deal is, is the double, how, they, how they play their double teams, whether it's a true double or a zone double, uh, you know, the hip-to-hip the, the -hip work and how they overtake. Um, that's such a, to me, that's such a fascinating thing to watch and have explained and watch the really quality offensive line coaches that can teach um, that, especially with that zone double, right. And never losing from that standpoint. Um, the other deal is, um, you know, from a, from a standpoint of the, the defensive guy doesn't get reached on, on you know, on, a, on an outside run, uh, but that offensive lineman decides, okay, instead of, trying to get my hat across. I'm just going to turn them and I'm going to run them into the sideline into the bleachers, you know, stuff like that, where, where they have, where you can vi uh, visibly see the counters to what the defensive line is trying to do. You know, that that coach has spent some time in the film room and has coached up their guys uh, to, to give them the, the, the necessary, if then, then that statements, uh, and, and how to execute those on the field, man. And I think that's the chess match that I'm looking forward to is you know making sure that my guys can can have the the same um opportunities that I think some of these offensive linemen that we're going to that we're going to see in, in the uh in the Hendrickson district uh and go toe to toe with coach man you know congrats on the new uh position we're we're excited for you here at RTP and we uh, really appreciate you taking an hour with us man know it's a it's a busy time and and transitions are never easy thing especially with you know, all the restrictions and whatnot we got in place, man. So appreciate it. It's been an absolute blast. No, man, this is, uh, I think this is one of those things where, uh, you know, in your coaching career, when you, when you get asked to be on RTP, it, it's a big deal, man. I've, I've been, <laughs> I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, you know, part of me was, was, was nervous about, uh, about even being on here, but, uh, you guys are awesome. The, the podcast is awesome. And, uh, just the 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 kinds of people that you've already had on here. It's a, it's truly a, an honor to be on here. We appreciate it, Coach Man. You did a heck of a job. It was a good one, really good one. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We appreciate it, Coach. Give uh, give Mecca a shout. Tell him what's up. He's texting me right now, um, saying that <laughs> saying that defense alignment. They just go after that big oblong brown uh, thing with laces. He said he can do that in his sleep. So just wanted to let you know what he's been saying. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, I, so, so I'm going to ask this question to you guys and you can, and I'd like your feedback on it. Uh, we've adjusted our, our, I've adjusted where our, my defense alignment key and we're going to start keying. We, we've, we did it this past year and I'm going to carry it over. And I've heard other coaches talk about it. we're keying the near knee, right? So we're going to play with our, our man shade hand down. Um, and we're keying that near knee versus keying that ball. Um, one, we want to eliminate jumping off sides uh, or, or minimize it. And two, um, you know, defensively, we have to be reactionary uh, because 
these these quarterbacks are really really good for the most part about changing up the cadence so you know having to to key that near knee and, and knowing what's going to come to you or away from you um ha, ha, have you guys kind of seen that or is that something that that you've heard and how does that affect what you tell your offense alignment that's a good question. I don't. I don't know that I've um, that I've asked any defense alignment necessarily what they're keying uh, for ball get off. Um, I know we. Do, I, I believe that we stare at the knee. Our defense alignment do. Uh-huh. Um, as long as it's verbal cadence, I think that. Um, I, I don't know. The one thing that I would be nervous about is is, you know. It, you'll never ever beat an offense alignment off the ball if you do that. You know, if, if you key the ball, I would think that if you got an alignment with a slow get off, then you can actually beat him off the ball. But if you're always yeah. just just keying his knee, then he always has you beat. Um, but I don't know at the high school level how many times you beat an offensive lineman off the ball, anyways, if they know the cadence. That'd be the only thing I'd be worried about. But that's coming from no actual like studies or anything. That's just, you know, kind of yeah. my thought process on it. Oh, I, I got it from a, from a four two five book that Bud Foster was in. Um, and then I also heard uh, Ricky Kuhn talking about it. And it's, you know, it was good to us to an extent. Um, and, and I'm now that I will have my hands, you know, firmly entrenched, especially with the defensive tackles. Uh, I'm curious to see how it, how it translates for us, uh, I know that that's not something that they were doing this past year at Hendrickson and, and in years past. Um, but, but yeah, you're right. You know, you, you're not necessarily going to beat a guy off the ball staring at the knee. But, um, you know, most of the teams we're still seeing are, are, are running, the, running the rock. So we're not necessarily trying to beat them off the ball as much as we would be just trying to move the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, the biggest deal for us is 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 going to be disruptors of the line of scrimmage. And then, you know, now we can change it up on third down. We can key the ball. Um, but I think the other reasoning behind it was the, was the, the aim point is smaller and lower. So when you start keying the ball and you start keying the, you know, some guys would key the shoulder, well, you're naturally, you're picking your head up, you're picking your eyes up. So what is that doing to your rear end? It's dropping it. What is that eventually going to do to your pad level? It's going to raise it. So it's kind of in that, like, I guess you could call it that almost perfect area of your eye level and your pad level being already in that right sweet spot, I guess. That's mm-hmm. kind of the, that's the reasoning that, that I read. That's the reasoning that I'm kind of follow with it. I'm, I'm curious to see how it translates and how fast it gets picked up with our kids. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I know, I mean, I, the the two best D-line coaches I ever saw were the the Pelini brothers at Nebraska. I mean, Carl uh-huh. Pelini and Bo Pelini were as good as I ever saw. And they, again, they would, they would key near knee, but they always taught, you know, two different get offs. They had like a run get off. And then obviously, you know, they call it your, your green or your pass get off, you know, where you're replacing the hand. So, to, I mean, to me, that kind of stuck with me when there's be times I would be coaching defensive linemen, you know, knowing, Hey, what's the situation? What is it here? it's going to be my, you know, run, get off. This is a team. And then, you know, giving them the reminders, hey, it's a third down. Hey, it's heavy pass. It's this situation, you know, giving them kind of that green call and then allowing them to, you know, now, you, like you said, key the ball. I just thought to me that that really kind of compartmentalized it for me. I'm like, that makes a lot of sense, you know. What, what's your mindset? It's, it's a run, get off. Like, oh, it's a play action pass. Now I get into my pass rush or yeah, Man, I'm not. I'm not worried about the. I'm not worried about the run at all right now. If I run into the running back on a draw or whatever the play is, you know, perfect. But you know, I, I thought that just made a lot of sense to me when when I'd really studied from those guys having two different get offs and then you know maybe you're having a couple of different keys, but just reminding those guys and having calls to get those guys locked in for what is my technique going to be here. Yeah, I think that's kind of where we're what we're going to look at doing is having that those two different get offs and you know try to make them you know we talked about earlier try to make them not be so blatant but then there are times like you said where hey it's third and forever we all know right it, it, the astros don't have to steal this sign we know it's going to happen <laughs> the ball's going to be thrown and there's probably going to be a screen out of this let's play for that 
Don't get me started on that one, Coach. I, I, anyway, I'm, I don't even hardly care about baseball, but any way to make the game more interesting, I'm for it. Gee, I thought I thought the whole part about baseball was you're supposed to kind of cheat. Like I thought that was what they'd always done. There was always ways to cheat, and, and kind of people looked past it, and if you got it done, you laughed about it. And, you know, any way that, that you can stay away from a perfect game, which is nothing happens, I'm all for it. Hey, I, I'm an Astros fan. They won the. They won it. Okay. <laughs> they, right. they won it. That's right. you, if you want it, come get it. And <laughs> and and I'm I'll stand by them. I'm not gonna poo-poo them about cheating or anything like that. Um, because here's the deal: you open the Pandora's box, you take that away. Then you you how do you go back and you test the guys that were on other teams that you know we know they took steroids, which is completely <laughs> right illegal. Are you going to take that stuff away? You're going to take records away? You know that that sort of stuff. So, well, then that, you get into sign stealing and college football. Then what? Oh, then every man. team, then, then uh, no yeah. team can win, right? So, so if that's the case, right? And we want even playing fields. Take the cameras away from baseball because let's be honest. How many times are you sitting there going, "Are you kidding me?" He's the the camera's staring him straight down, or <laughs> you, you can hear. You can hear things picked up um, audio-wise from a football game. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.